So we're talking about words matter, and I didn't finish my message last week, so I want to finish it tonight. Um, words do matter. Going to the new year, we got to keep our mouths right, keep the, keep speaking the right things. It's not just positive talk; it's word talk, right? Because I mean, positive talk is just positive talk. But I want to go to the next level. Because the word's always positive, no matter what, even if it looks negative, it's positive because it's something that God has already ordained. So I want to talk about tonight about giving your, your future a voice. How many has a, believe they have a future in God, a destiny to perform? Okay, so we have that before the Lord. Um, and I coined this phrase a while back, giving your future a voice, literally being able to speak the future as if it's now, knowing that it's going to come to pass. Words matter. And I said this before, I'll say it again. Did you know that your future is more dependent on what you have to say about it than anybody else? So it doesn't matter what anybody else has said about you ain't going to ever have this and you know you thought you could but you can't. And you know you tried, you failed and you're going to be just like your father or your mother. Whatever they, whatever they say, those little labels are going to come off of you tonight in the name of Jesus. Come on somebody, get excited about that. And now then recognize and realizing that my future is not dependent on what they've got to say about it. And who are they anyways? Amen. But my future is dependent on what I've got to say about my future. So what, number one, am I in agreement with? Okay. And what am I speaking? What am I declaring over myself, my body, my, my mind, my, my circumstances and situations, my family? Um, and as a matter of fact, your future cannot be determined by anybody but you because it's called the law of confession. And I, I, we, we talked about that last week, and I'm, I'm going to make this statement. When you give your future a voice, what you're doing is, is that you're preparing a path for it to come to you. It's like, it's, like, it's like you have a future but no highway, no roadway to get to it or for it to get to you. But the moment you speak it, and I'm going to show you how this works in the scriptures, that the moment you speak it, it literally clears a path to your future to come to to you. Now, most of you have heard my, this testimony so many times, you can tell the story better than myself, and you'll know if I'm lying because you, you know the story better than myself, so I can't make it up. But this building, when we were believing God for a church facility, a building to have, when we were over at Deer Creek Elementary School on, on Kinnikinick uh, in, um, in St. Francis, it was all we could rent. Matter of fact, people don't know this, but we, we were renting, uh, the first one place we had was the Howard Johnson's on, on uh, Layton Avenue, and so we were there for about three months or so, and then we, we got kind of kicked out of there because they were going to remodel that little, little space, and so we ended up, we couldn't find anywhere to go. Literally, it was like down to the wire. And I had to make sure people knew we were going to go by the next time we met, which was on Friday nights at that time. And so it was like Thursday or something, like Wednesday or Thursday. It was down to the wire. And we found a place in, uh, in uh, St. Francis called Deer Creek Elementary School. And so that's where we landed. We were there for almost four years at that little place. And, um, and when we were there, we knew that from this place we were going to have our own church facility. Now, what I did was I, I did something maybe unique to a lot of churches, not so much unique to me, but what we did was I put together a confession. 
And in that confession, I began to, I wrote it out, and I began to tell um, uh, uh, myself and, and the Lord and our church what kind of church facility we wanted. And I got real specific with it. Like, I, I, I wanted to have enough space to grow in. I wanted to make sure it had enough parking, because in Milwaukee, it's hard to find parking. There's all these buildings, but no parking. I didn't want to park in the street. I can imagine my people have to, you know, walk through the snow for six or seven blocks. So it was, I wanted to have a place that had parking, and I wanted it to be visible, not stuck in some neighborhood neighborhood somewhere where you had to know somebody who knew somebody who got a revelation, come on somebody, in a dream to figure out where your church was, right? So I wanted to make sure it was somewhere visible, people would know where it's at. And I wanted to have a place that would be big enough to do our productions and that we, you know, all the stuff, the children's ministry, the youth and all that. I wanted a cafe. I knew what I wanted. And so we, we, we began to write that down. And then I had it put up on our little screens. We had little screens uh, that we put up on our, on our platform, and they were actually bungee corded to the top of uh, our little uh, sound system. So if you looked at our little st stage, uh, on one side would be a, a, a stand with a speaker on it. The other side would be a stand with a speaker. And on top of there were TV sets, 27-inch TV sets that we bungee cord. There were no flat screens back in those days. If they, have, if they have flat screens, we couldn't afford them. You know what I'm talking about? So we bungee cord them to it, but back in those days, you probably don't know this, but there's a magnet inside those television, or inside those um, speakers. So it would pull the color out, and pull, it'd be green on the bottom of those TVs, and you had to shake them just right, so the magnet would be the right spot, so it wouldn't pull the color out of the screen, so we could have screens. Come on, somebody. We were high tech. And you couldn't read, your back row, you couldn't read them, but we had screens. And so... We put up our confession every, every, at that time we were doing Sunday mornings, went to Sunday mornings, and we were doing Thursday nights. And so we would do our confessions every time we met together. It didn't matter if the visitors were there, it didn't matter if it was a big day, uh, like our, one of our events, we put those things on. Okay, everybody, we're going we're gonna to speak this confession. And we started speak. I wish I had the confession in front of me. And it, we spoke, and what I did was I tied the word in with it. So I found scripture, like in Deuteronomy, says that, that the Lord said he will give you places that you didn't build. Houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, wells you didn't dig. And it'd be full of all kinds of furniture. It's what the Bible said. In other words, it'd be furnished to the hill. He's, and I, I put that in, I put this in, this is what we're believing God for. So we put down specifically we wanted, then we tied it in with the word of God. We spoke that every time we came together. And so the day came, and I was driving by this place. It was a cinema at the time, Marcus Theater at the time, and they were trying to sell the building. It was a for sale sign, lease sign on the side of the building. And I drove by it, and I was like, oh, I saw the sign. I was like, oh, that would be perfect for us. That would be a perfect building for us. And, um, and just as soon as I said that, I heard a voice say, yeah, but you can't afford that. You know, your church is too small. You ain't got no money, no bank, and they look at you to give you a loan. And I said, I, I began to agree with the voice. And then another voice. So it was my voice. Then it was the devil's voice. You know, the devil will take rides with you sometimes. And so he's telling me one thing, and I start to agree with that because I'm thinking, that's logical. That's logical. Don't let your logical brain agree with the devil to talk you out of what God promised you that you could have. That's logic. Logic don't pay off in this, right? So anybody can do that. And then I heard the Spirit of God. Thank God I had ears to hear. And I heard the Spirit of God say, he said, who told you that? Go back and claim that building. It was raining. I did a U-turn right over here illegally. Come on, somebody. Lord forgave me. Came back through here. Went past the Rocky Rococos. I pulled my van up at the time. I had a van. I pulled it right up into the front of the church, and I got out of the van, and I, I, it was raining, and I got under the underhang, and I began to look through the window. I said, oh, man, this is incredible. This place is amazing. 
look at this, got concession stands. I'm like, that's pretty cool because we got, you know, we can put stuff in there like popcorn and we can put Bibles in there. Come on, somebody. And I'm like, this is crazy. It's got funky carpet. I'm like, my people are kind of funky. This is cool. They'll match their personality. Amen. And so then I thought, well, this would be great. And so the Lord said, claim it. So I was like, oh, man, there's people around. So I kind of looked a little bit. Thought, I don't want to do this too loud. But I look like a jerk, you know. So, But I claimed it. I pointed my finger. I said, in the name of Jesus. You got to get bold. Come on. I put right outside these windows, right outside them doors. I said, in the, it was funky back then. It wouldn't look as good as this did, but it, you know, it was there. I said, in the name of Jesus, this thing belongs to the kingdom of God. This thing will be, pre- you will, this thing will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was proud of myself. Just like you're proud of me. I was proud of myself. And the Lord said, that's it? I knew exactly what he meant. I knew exactly what he meant because I was holding back. I didn't want to look like a jerk. I didn't want to feel like I wasn't credible. I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure it was authentic. I wanted to be real. And so in that moment, I was being logical going, Lord, it'll preach to God. And the Lord says, is that it? And I knew what he was saying to me. He was saying, you just claim that thing for any, any church can have that. He said, what are you going to do about that? I said, I know exactly what to do. In the name of Jesus, this building belongs to Jeff Pruitt. This building belongs to Faith Builders Church. I took it from belonging to the kingdom, come on somebody, and being specific of who it actually belonged to. And I said, all right, here we go. Here we go. I claimed it, right? I claimed it. And so I'm thinking, now we got to make the phone calls. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no loan. And I said, I, so I, at that time, I was preaching a message just like this. And I went back to the, to the church, and the Lord said, I want you to tell the church that you got the building. I said, absolutely, Lord. Oh, yeah. I believe the name it, claim it. I got it. I'll tell them, I'll say, I got, we got this building in faith. The Lord said, hmm, is that what you're going to say? And I knew exactly what he meant. He said, you're going to tell them you got it in faith? You're going to tell them you got it? I'm going to tell them we got it in faith. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. He said, get up there and tell them either you believe this or you don't, son. Now, I got a little church of about maybe at that time 75 to 100 people coming to our church. We got big dreams, big ideas, big thoughts, big plans, right? And now then I got to put all my credibility on the line. And the whole thing is what if it doesn't happen? Then what am I going to say? So I got up there. It was a Thursday night. And so not all you people are even there, right? 50 or 60 people there, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. And... Um, and so, uh, and so I'm up there. We just had incredible, you know, worship. I get up there and the Lord said, tell them. So I get up in front of the pulpit and I get, everybody, I got, some, I got some good news to tell you. And the whole time I'm sweating, man, I am sweating. I know what I got to do. And I said, uh, I, got some, I got some good news to tell you. And, um, and are you ready? Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been confessing. We've been believing. Yes, that's right. Everybody's going, yeah. I said, well, we got a building. And everybody goes wild. They're going crazy. They're jumping up and down. They're taking, not my kidding you, they're taking out running. The band, I'm going, oh God. And while they're rejoicing, my heart is sinking. My heart is, oh God. They're going crazy. And I'm going, I guess, let me just say it in faith. Just say, Lord, let me just say, we got it in faith. And he said, is that what you're going to say? And I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord. So I said, yeah, we got the building. Everybody's excited. I preached. I don't remember what I preached. I couldn't think straight. All I wanted to do was get out of the building before they asked me a bunch of questions. Because they go, where is it? And, and they're, and, and they're going to go. They're excited. And I'm like, I told my wife, go, go, go. We're leaving. 
So we get in my, our, our van, we get in our car, and, and um, I said, well, let's go, let's, go, let's go drive by the building over there. I mean, I'm sick to my stomach. So we drive in here, and, and we, we come around the, the you know, we're gonna order, oh, we decided, let's go to, let's go to uh, get a drink at Rocky Rococo. So we, we order a little drink at Rocky Rococo's. And we pull around the drive through you know how it works, how it goes like this, comes around. As we're pulling around, I see a group of people, about 20 or so people, coming around the building this way. I thought, who are the people? It's like 9.30 at night, quarter to 10. Who are the people walking around this building? I thought, what in the world? No, I look a little bit closer. Oh, no. Oh, no. They found out with the building. Oh, no. And it was Jan Abuya and about 15 or 20 other people leading a Jericho march. Believe, thank you, Jesus, for our building. Thank you. And they're walking around our building, this building. She said, you're going to go and say hi? I said, no, let's get out of here. I don't want them to see me. And I took off. Man of faith and power. Come on, somebody. Scared to death. We say, why were you scared? Because in my whole life, I never wanted to be something that was a dream. I wanted to real, have a real life in Christ. And I didn't want to live in la-la land. But you know, God will call the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. So he made me a faith preacher because I'm the guy that don't want to walk in faith. I'm the guy that wants to have everything in a row. Don't be a jerk about this thing. Don't get embarrassed about it. Come on. And God said, you, I want to make a man of faith. So I had to tell them we got a building that we didn't even have. And every week they came, when are we going to move into our building? The Lord will provide. <laughs> the Lord, that's all I could say. And we made phone calls and went back and forth. And let me just tell you, it was a miracle how we got it. It's another story altogether. We got in this building. It was amazing what God did. And we got it for pennies on the dollar. He actually gave me a word of how to get the building. Showed me how to do it in his word. And it was amazing how it happened. It would not have happened, church. Unless I operated in the law of confession. Because what made me any different than all the other pastors that actually wanted this building to boot? There's, did you know there were other pastors that wanted this building? But they didn't get this building. I'm not, I don't even know who they are, but that's what I heard from the, their attorneys. So my point is what made us more special? I believe it's because we had the guts, the goal, the, whatever, the, 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 the tenacity to speak God's word boldly. So that when I'm driving by, that I can actually say, yes, it is possible. So he's changing me while I'm confessing that. He's changing the people while they're confessing it. That's what God does. It's a law that's set in motion. What is a law? Uh, the Webster Dictionary defines a law as that which is laid, set, or fixed. A principle based on predictable consequences of an act. So there's a law of uh, gravity, so that if we walk off the platform, we fall to the ground. Why? Gravity. And gr gravity doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color skin you are. It doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. It doesn't matter how tall, how wide. It doesn't matter anything. It works the same for everybody. It's predictable. So what happens is that right, right across the street over here, we have these large airplanes that are made out of steel, and they get up and they fly 35,000, 40,000 feet in the air, Think about that. And how do they do that? How they, they, it's almost like they're defying gravity. But they're not defying gravity. They understand principles and other laws that works with gravity called the law of thrust, the law of lift, the, the law of aerodynamics, right? And those laws are predictable that if you use those laws, it'll look like or appear like you're defying the law of gravity. Come on, somebody. That's the same way thing God, God has in his life, that when you operate his laws that govern his kingdom, it'll look like you're defying the odds that are in this world. 
It's good. In the natural laws govern man, but spiritual laws govern man and circumstances. In other words, your outcome is not determined by natural laws or man's ability, but by the act of faith of the spiritual laws God set in place. In other words, everybody say faith. Faith is what is required for the law to work. So same thing with this building or anything else that you're doing. It's so big, it seems like it's impossible, right? But the, but the law of faith mixed with the law of confession, when works together, it's like that thrust and aerodynamics and lift working together to defy the odds of gravity and look like that you're defying them. And instead, you're actually working with them to overcome it. Faith begins in your spirit. It's saying one step. I believe so much that I'm willing to take the first step of what God requires, no matter what is going on in my mind, because faith begins in your spirit, but it culminates in your mind. And you've got to have the two operating together. It's not enough to say you believe in here when you're always struggling up here with the same issues you believe in here. At some point, this and this has got to agree. So the Word of God, when it gets in you, is like a seed of faith that grows in your heart that does what? Begins to renew your mind. And the way you renew your mind by speaking God's Word until your ears begin to hear it over and over and over again, and your mind gets renewed to what you believe can happen. I can't have one. There's got to be unity in me. I cannot be disunified. My mind and my spirit must agree. That's when we know that, that, that this breakthrough or whatever we're looking for is going to come to pass. So faith begins in my spirit. It culminates in my mind. And thoughts produce the outcome. Thoughts is what produce. So the mental images you get that you have inside of you is what overcomes everything else. As a man thinks in his heart, what? So is he. He becomes what he thinks. But if he thinks improper thoughts that have not been renewed with God's word and not operating by faith, what happens? He becomes those things. So if you think less of yourself than you should, if that's the image you have on the inside of you, all your life you will struggle and be that person. But at some point if you actually believe what God says about you and what is possible, get your mind renewed to that, get your mouth speaking that, that's what you'll become. It's the personification of who you really are. And in other words, your image inside ultimately becomes the image outside. I've seen people who have had great faith, guys, but they, they accomplish very little. Why? Their thoughts were dominated by self-doubt. They, 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 they wanted to believe, but they, and they did believe, but they believed it was possible for somebody else. But when it came for them, they didn't believe it was possible for them. And how many times have we seen that in our own lives? Wow, that's great. Praise God. I just knew God would do it. And we're thinking for them. But when it comes to us, we're always thinking, it's probably not going to work out the way I thought for me. The Word of God tells us that everything we observe in creation speaks of our Creator. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has, no, has shown rather it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's the scripture saying? It's going back to the creator. And before, guess what, guys? There was a whole world before the earth ever came into being. It's called heaven. It's called God's kingdom. It was there, and here's the deal. So what God did was he began to make he began to make something physical and something visible with the physical eye. You can think of it almost like another dimension. 
So God opens up another dimension called the physical realm. And I'll get to that, the, I believe, the purpose in just a moment. But the Bible says for the, <clears throat> for the creation of the world, uh, of the world uh, shows is his invisible attributes that are clearly seen. So in other words, we know God can't be seen with the naked eye, right? Unless he decides to manifest himself to us in the physical realm. But for the most part, he doesn't show himself that way, right? He wants to be believed. But there's even further than this, he also wants to be understood. So the Bible in Romans 1 is saying, look, God created the world so that you could clearly see who he is. Because where did this stuff all come from? If, you, if you, all you believe is in the Big Bang Theory, which by the way is just a theory... Just thought I'd throw that out there. It's just a theory. They don't know for sure. Uh, I, here, here's what I will tell you. Where did the Big Bang come from? I, 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 I can't disprove that. Okay, but, but the Big Bang had to come from something. What was the Big Bang? Stuff collided. Where did the stuff come from? It just came. But where? From where? From what? There has to be a beginning point, and the beginning point is the Almighty God who has now made it clear to us by looking at just creation and the sun and the sky and the mountains and the air we breathe that, wow, there's something of design here. If there's something of design here, then there must be a designer. And then he says, clearly seen, being understood. Everybody say, being understood. Being understood by the things that are made. So, in other words, so again, the law of gravity, once a mystery, is now predictable because it is understood. The same is true of God. So the moment that you understand something is the moment you get your breakthrough. Right? So that, that, that it works that way every single time. It's predictable. Proverbs 4, 5 says this. Get wisdom. I say get wisdom. Then what does it say? Get understanding. Well, what does that mean? Get wisdom means the wisdom of God is the word of God. The understanding of God is the revelation of God's word. So when you get wisdom, you get understanding. If you get the Word of God, you get the revelation of the Word of God. What's revelation? Light and darkness. It's like the light bulb, the cartoon that goes off over the head, right? The light bulb. Oh, I have an idea. And everything comes into the light, right? That's just like God's Word. So reading God's Word without understanding means you have no revelation. It's just a good book. But the moment you get revelation or understanding, it makes the wisdom of God of all effect in your life. It turns that principle on. He said, now, when you put it together, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. So he's likening wisdom and understanding or the revelation of the word of God. That's how you say that. Wisdom and understanding is the revelation of the word of God. He likes it unto a her or a she or female. Why? Because females are the only race of people who can bring forth life. So when God's word gets in me, come on somebody, and it's a revelation to me, I become impregnated with that word to give it delivery to be, be, be made manifest in the earth. Man, that's good preaching right there. So I can read it this way. Do not, is it still up there? Yes. Read it this way. For, do not forsake her. What's it mean? Don't forsake the revelation of the word of God. For the revelation of the word of God will preserve you. Love the revelation of the word of God, and the revelation of the word of God will keep you or guard you. Wisdom or the word is the principal thing. Therefore, get 
the word and all you're getting get revelation exalt the revelation of the word of God and the revelation of the word of God will promote you the revelation of the word of God will bring you honor when you embrace the revelation of the word of God now that's a mouthful but that right there is the truth of God's scripture. So in this, this, this uh, two-part two kind of series we've been talking about, I'm bringing forth the wisdom and understanding of what the law of confession is really all about. Every time I pray, I'm turning on the law of confession. I don't want to just go before God and share all my feelings. That's a part of my prayer life, but that's not all of my prayer life. He expects me to speak his word. I personally believe that many believers in Jesus have failed in life because they did not understand the power of their own words. And it caused them a lot of undue pressure and hardship as a result. But look what it says in Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, you've heard me preach that a thousand times. You've heard that a thousand times or more. What was that saying to us? It's saying to me very clearly that the devil's not even my problem. Life and death is not in his hand. And it even takes it out of God's hand. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I'm saying to you this, that this, I've got to come and agree with what God has said. So if God wants it to be life, I've got to speak life to it. Amen, somebody. So if the curse is going on in my life, I've got to find the blessing in God's word so I can speak it and counter the curse. It's up to me. In other words, your words affect your fate, not the devil, not your background, not the government, not your relatives, you. When you believe and speak words that are harmonious with what God has already declared, you are releasing a force by which everything in your life begins to adjust to. I'm speaking God's word. Things are coming to me, and my life is adjusting to receive the things that are coming to me. This law is a key to overcoming everything that is pulling you down or pulling you back. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, not flesh and blood. Jesus, yes, but the Father, no. He's spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Not in the flesh, but in spirit and truth. So I've got to learn how to get into that world. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. In other words, things that can be seen and things that can't be seen. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. I don't know if I can believe that because I can't see it. Whoa, whoa. Right now, I mean to freak you out. There are radio waves going through this building. Right now, there are radio waves. There are television waves. There are satellite waves, sound waves, visual waves, particles. In this room, going through the building, through your bodies, through the chair. Can you see them? Can't see him. Right? I said, right? Oh, you're going to trick us, Pastor. You're trying to trick us. Can you see him or not? Are they there? 
Yes. I just have to have the proper receiver. If I get the proper receiver, I can tune into the proper station and I can get Technicolor and, and hear it perfect. Come on, somebody. Uh, y'all, I got to get the right hookup. If I get the right, is that better for you? If I get the right hookup, what I can't see comes in full color in audio where I can hear it perfectly what I couldn't see or hear before. I've never bumped into an atom. Not once. I've never, I'm, wait, I take that back. I've probably been bumping them all night. But I've never seen one. I've never felt it. Do they exist? But I can't see them though. So maybe I shouldn't believe in them. No. They've already studied it and found out this is true. Well, if the whole world is the whole world and, 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 and it came out of the Big Bang and we just got done saying that you can't figure out where the Big Bang even came from, where's the bang? Then we must believe there's somebody out there who created the Big Bang in the first place. And I believe it's a whole much more intense than that, but I'm just saying, right? So my point is, is that I still believe even though I can't see because God has said. And once God has said, what he expects me to do is homologio, is the word confession, is to come into agreement with what he said by speaking it. It literally means by speaking it. So when God creates man in the beginning of time, he, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says that God, can you pull it up guys, Genesis 2 7, is that possible? And I'll just read it off of there. Genesis 2, 7. Let's read it together because this is very powerful. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a what? A living being. The word living, you can look it up for yourself. It's two different explanations of the word living in the Hebrew. One means creative. The other one means speaking. So we'll read it this way. The Lord God formed man, dust the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So man became a living soul a being, living, because God breathed into us, and man became a living being or a creative being and a speaking being that means spirit, a speaking spirit. Well, did not he say that I've created you in my image and in my likeness? Yes. So God is spirit. He puts his spirit in in this natural body and expects me to walk like he walks and talk like he talks and be creative. So the moment that I begin to speak, I'm creating my future. The whole idea of words matter is to understand that whatever you speak is the future you're bringing into your life. Your word, come on somebody, is a light. And it gives direction to my path. The truth of the matter is that when you speak God's word, it opens the pathway to where you're going. And if all we ever talk about is where we're from, we're just doing a big old circle over and over. And that's why the children of Israel kept going around the mountain over and over for 40 years because all they could talk about is what they used to have. They didn't have the, their future in their spirit. And when you get your future in your spirit and you speak it, it will come to pass. Now, there's a little bit more to it than just that, but it's the beginning route. Because you've got to put faith in that. Faith shows action. So now then, I'm speaking it, but my, my actions are showing that I believe it. And 
Faith without works is dead. So now I'm putting action steps into it. You mingle that together with, with this word, guys. I'm telling you right now, nothing will stop you. It may not happen in the time frame you think. Don't let that throw you off. But God knows exactly when and where. Come on, someone say amen to that. Did y'all enjoy the word tonight?